I used to look at natural bodybuilders uh, when I first started going to competitions and I thought, there is no way they are natural. Impossible. But then I started training with somebody who actually had won that show and then I realized, okay, so this is what real intensity is and that's how you get a physique like that naturally. Welcome to the Bar Band Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barband.com. Today, I'm talking to Chris Gethin, a renowned bodybuilder, biohacker, and owner of Caged Muscle Supplements. Chris, who joins us on the podcast for a second time, is also an extreme sports junkie. And earlier in 2021, he suffered a significant triceps injury while snowboarding. We talk about Chris's approach to recovery and how his years of working to optimize recovery from in-the-gym training have impacted that approach. We also discuss his favorite gyms around the world and why bodybuilding training can be so much more difficult than many people realize. I do want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbed Podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Chris, thanks for joining me. You're a repeat guest on the Barbed Podcast. We don't have we don't have too many of those, so a lot of ground to cover, but. I got to dive right into it. You suffered a, a triceps injury a few months ago while snowboarding, and you've been documenting your recovery process online. It's been really interesting to see some of the techniques you've been using and some of the knowledge you've been using from your fitness career to hopefully enhance your recovery process. How's it going? How are you feeling? And what are some of those techniques? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me back on. You must be desperate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Slow times. What can we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I tore my tricep uh, ragdoll in it uh, when I was snowboarding in Jackson Hole and I had surgery. Uh, I think it'll be six weeks on Monday. I had surgery to reattach the medial head and the lateral head of my triceps that came off the bone, obviously, and uh, the two tendons. So they had to drill through my humerus and my ulna to reattach the tendon underneath. So it's kind of cinched back there. Uh, but I've, I've had many injuries over the years. I raced motocross as a, a little toddler, uh, downhill mountain bike racing, surfing, snowboarding. You know, I, this is not new to me. I, I don't generally injure myself in the gym when I'm focused and when I'm present. It's always outside of it. But, um, you know, when it happened, I knew straight away that I'd torn it. I grabbed hold of it. I could feel it was really soft. So I knew I didn't need an x-ray. I just needed to get an MRI and get uh, it fixed as soon as humanly possible before the tendons start to retract, which I did as a very successful uh, um, surgery. And since then, I've just been, yeah, it's a shotgun approach for sure. Uh, to, you know, some people say, well, how does this work? I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm really hidden it from all sorts of angles. So, you know, the, the, there's obviously the basis of nutrition and having a positive mindset, I'd say, is the strongest biohack. So as soon as this happened, I listened to Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself again, just to put myself in a mindset and see this as a challenge, as an opportunity that I could share to, uh, with other people. So I've been, I, I had stem cells, 
I've been on my PEMF mat a couple of times a day. Um, I'm putting a DC current through here with my new fit newbie machine so I can involuntary contract the muscle without voluntary doing it because the force that I'd put through a contraction manually by myself would probably be way too much and I'd damage it. At least I can kind of scale it a little bit with that DC current. I'm doing red light therapy, different forms of red light therapy, which helps with the, the wound healing externally and internally. I'm doing like uh, several peptides, BBC 157, TB 500, GHK, uh, 5-amino, uh, tessamorlin and ipamorlin that's like my wolverine stack that I was taking and I'm not taking it now I don't feel like I need to now because uh, everything is way ahead of schedule I met with the surgeon yesterday and he was blown away you know he couldn't even see the incision um, so the, the actual wound the scarring has healed really well too I know you also put a really big emphasis on sleep. Uh, sleep is important, whether it's gains uh, in the gym or outside of the gym or recovery from an injury. What is your sleep protocol looking like these days? The sleep protocol is the same. I'm usually in bed by eight o'clock. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always very strict about that. In the first couple of weeks, I was focusing because I don't nap. I never nap. Um, I'm not one of those. I, I get a, guess I'm a little bit mentally anxious during a day to nap, you know, I'm thinking, God, I'm, I, I, I've got meetings, I've got, you know, I've, I've got to hit some deadlines. But I was conscious for the first couple of weeks of making sure that I was getting my naps in as well, getting some sponge baths from the wife, you know, those, those always help as well. Having, and, a, uh, having a supportive partner is the most important part of any recovery process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not going to show her this podcast and tell her that I'm better. I'm, gonna say that I'm still suffering, baby. Uh, but I have been doing infrared sauna, as I usually do as well, uh, you know, making sure that I went very high on my essential amino acids, glutamine, really high on antioxidants as well, like glutathione, hydrogen-rich water, uh, the ESS60, so the C60 carbon, uh, taken out a couple of times a, a, a day, you know, being very high on the antioxidants, glutamine, uh, things like that. So, you know, I really punch a lot of them into my gallon jugs and just drip feed them throughout the day because I think a lot of people kind of feel sorry for themselves and uh, they will eat emotionally and that's not going to heal the damaged tissue. You think about it, we take post-workout supplements or protein because we've just created trauma to a localized area. Well, this is massive trauma. So it's uh, essential that uh, that we you know we heal the area with the proper nutrients and uh, I, yeah I was training I was doing cardio day after the surgery just to get nitric oxide and blood flow to the area and then I started with my condylateral and uh, BFR training uh, two days after and that's really really healed uh, the process. So let's talk a little bit about your training. What was your training looking like going into the injury? Obviously, you're. One of the more active people uh, out there, uh, I don't think there's anything you don't do. And I know that in the gym, in your bodybuilding career, you're a very high volume trainer outside the gym. If there's a sport or a mountain to go down or up, you were probably tackling it. So what was your training looking like you know, in the weeks leading up to the injury? Typical bro split bodybuilding style workout, but uh, yes, high volume because in December, I, I, I had a lot of photo shoots lined up, both here in Texas, in Vegas. So uh, I, was, I was doing a lot of high volume training because that lots really gets me in shape. You know, don't take that lightly. Like I don't do light weights. You know, if I'm doing 30 reps, I'm usually doing like 70 pound incline dumbbells for 30 reps. So I'll go high volume. That's kind of what it looked like. 
um, you know, three days on, one day off, two days on, one day off. That's generally how it looks. And um, it was kind of like that. I was pretty lean, so that probably wouldn't ever help my cause when I wiped out. Uh, obviously, if you're leaner, you have less cushioning, less sodium, less fluid, and you could tear a muscle a little easier. So that could have been one of the contributing factors. Who knows? But that's pretty much what my training was looking like. And I was doing car- I do cardio twice a day, all year round, regardless. So I was doing ca- cardio a couple of times a day there as well. What does your split look like now? You, you, you mentioned a little bit about you know getting back and doing some resistance training. Obviously, you're not doing 70-pound incline dumbbell presses with the injured arm right now, but I have seen you on social doing some work with your uninjured arm, doing some unilateral work and, and uh, focusing on other, other areas that are not inhibited by your triceps. So tell us a little bit about what your split looks like now. It's exactly the same. It's identical. Yeah. Uh, The only caveat, the only difference is is that I'm training my shoulders and, or shoulder, I should say, uh, shoulder and bicep and tricep twice a week, because I know that the condylateral or unilateral training really does help with the prevention of catabolism to the trauma side just by doing so. So I'm hitting that a couple of times. So I will do biceps and triceps by themselves. I'll hit delts by themselves. And then I'll choose one day to hit delts and biceps and triceps all together as a bit of a top up, if you like. But it's the same split. The leg, you know, it's a typical bro split, shoulders, legs, biceps, triceps, you know, it's it's, it's pretty much the same. So it's usually legs on uh, Friday, uh, sorry, on Monday, on Monday, because no one's hitting legs on Monday. So I get to choose all the equipment that I want. And I like to do a lot of giant sets and things like that. So it's important that I get a few pieces of equipment to myself. And then I'll usually hit uh, biceps and triceps on the Tuesday, the Wednesday will be shoulders and then I'll take a day off and then I'll hit the two larger muscle groups like back on one day and then I'll do uh, chest on the, on the following day and then the third day I'll do biceps, triceps, shoulders and then repeat. I think a lot of times, I remember when I first heard that, when I first heard the the concept of contralateral training and the fact that if, you know, you say you have an, in, say your your right arm is injured by training the left arm, you could help reduce muscle loss on the injured side over the course of your recovery. The first time I heard that, I thought it was the biggest crock of bro science, pseudoscience I'd ever heard. But there is a lot of interesting research behind it. And anecdotally, as someone who's been injured myself, not doing anything as cool as you, uh, but you know, just injuries I get in training, there is some credence to that. So it's, you know, kind of this mindset of, okay, you're injured or you have a localized injury, that doesn't mean you should stop training. In fact, training might be even more important than it was before. Oh, no doubt. Because number one, it's, it's good for your mental state because people aren't feeling good mentally when they're injured. So you kind of have to get through that trough. And I think workouts really do help that. Of course, you shouldn't be pushing yourself in the beginning until, you're, you know, if your trauma side is like throbbing, then, uh, you know, it's going through enough of an inflammatory response as it is. You don't want to inflame it even more. So you have to be easy for the first few weeks, obviously, but then you can push it a little bit more. Like I'm five weeks post-surgery and already I'm doing side raises with this injured side with like 15 pounds front raises uh 15 pounds rear raises 20 pounds i'm going a little bit heavier on the left uh, but at least i'm able to do something where they tell you you shouldn't be able to do something with an injury like that for a good six months well you know we're way ahead of the curve here and i've 
like I said, I'm, I'm not stupid with it and I'm not here to tell everybody to do the exact same, but I've had so many injuries since the age of like eight, 10 years old that I kind of understand the process now. When I uh, had shoulder surgery about two and a half years ago, within four months of that surgery, I tore my labrum, had him anchored down. Um, I was competing in another Ironman triathlon. So, you know, with that exercise, with that movement, with the blood flow, the nitrogen-rich uh, blood flow and the oxygen-rich blood to that trauma area, it really does help the recovery, no end. And, you know, we can look at studies, research, but as I always say, knowledge without mileage is bullshit. So I like to look at the studies and then try before I buy. That makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about uh, your nutrition protocol. You're someone who I know is uh, very passionate about, well, let's say everything in performance. But uh, one thing we've talked a little bit about before when we had you on previously uh, was fasting protocol. So do you have a, a fasting protocol that you are a, a fan of right now or something that's working for you right now? Yeah, definitely right now because it does help with stem cell proliferation. So I'm doing a, th a few things for stem cell proliferation and that is, uh, you know, like hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Um, I'm also fasting and taking uh, exogenous stem cells as well. So, you know, there's a three, three prong approach to that. So I am fasting. I'm not doing it every single day. It's generally a 16 hour fast but I call it a controlled fast because during that fasting window, I'm still drinking essential amino acids, not BCAAs because the leucine can knock you out of that if you have too much. And I'll have glutamine during that time. You know, if you listen to people like Dr. Sachin Panda or Dr. Jason Fung, they will say that that will knock you out of a fast. But then you have other people like Dr. Volta Longo that allows you to have a certain amount of negligible calories that still allows for stem cell proliferation. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Now, what does your what is your diet looking like uh, when when you you know are eating the eight hour windows when you are generally eating? What does you know a macronutrient split or, or typical day look like in that regard? Yeah, so at the moment, because I'm not training to crazy absolute failure, I did at Flex Lewis's gym opening about a week and a half ago, and I regretted that. It was a leg day, and I still didn't recover by the following Saturday. Uh, but I, I, I try not to push it too hard because I'm allowing, you know, all the recovery to go here. So my calories are down a little bit. So I'm looking at about 1.1 grams of protein per pound of body weight and usually of about equal amount of uh, carbohydrates, not a huge amount. Uh, and then fats probably looking at about 25% of those macros are coming from fats. A lot of them are naturally occurring from oily fish, from steak. I do high EPAs and DHAs through supplementation as well. Um, you know, sodium butyrate, some short-chain fatty acids, and uh, maybe a little bit of C8 in my coffee, and that's pretty much it. You know, and a lot of my greens, because, I, because I'm not as active as I usually am, I find that I am... I don't have the hunger, the appetites as I usually do. So I'm drinking quite a few of those calories as well. So my greens, I don't eat that many vegetables. I drink my Outlive 100, my greens uh, concoction. And I'll have like in my meal replacement, which is clean meal during the earlier part of the day, maybe once a day. And I'll have an isolate maybe in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. That's a good know, but, but, no, sorry, I was going to say, but I am very cautious to ensure that all my food is, you know, humane raised, grass fed, organic, etc. You know, I don't like to take antibiotics. I didn't take antibiotics after my surgery, and I certainly don't want them in the food that I'm consuming either. 
Well, that's actually a good segue uh, because in addition to being a bodybuilder and athlete, um, you are the founder and uh, run Cage Supplements. So that's it. Took me way too long, by the way, to realize Cage with a K was from Chris with a K. I'm a little ashamed. I'm a little ashamed to admit that I didn't put I didn't put the two together that that quickly. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because you know I see the reflection of. Uh, a lot of what you talk about in recovery, what we talked about in our last podcast, other content you've put out in the supplements that Cage produces, you'll mention something. And then a few months later, Cage will announce a new supplement. And it's like, oh, Chris was clearly kind of building the supplement he wanted to take. Tell us a little bit about that formulation process. Obviously, making any supplement can be a complex endeavor. If it's got a lot of ingredients, if it's something new, that adds a level of complexity to it. So what Cage is producing, are you kind of coming up with these ideas and then working with formulators or is the process for development maybe a little bit different? Yeah, it's between myself and our formulator. My formulator is Brian Rand. And, uh, you know, of course I'm going to be biased, but I think he's the best formulator out there on the planet. You know, the guy is an absolute freak. He spends a lot of the time in his uh, in his basement, you know, coming up with these formulations, which are absolutely phenomenal. So we will, he's always approached with new ingredients. I'm always approached with new ingredients. And then if it seems like it's something that has some merit to it, then we'll try it. And if I think it has merit to it, then I'll go out to the manufacturing plant or the, the farm, dependent if it's in this country or another country or whatever, and then actually go and speak to the farmers themselves before we actually start sourcing and patented in or, or, or whatever it may be. You know, we do things a little bit differently. And some people say, well, why don't you have one of these supplements? Why don't you have like a car powder or HMB? Uh, but my response is, look, if we're not a Me Too brand, if there's a company out there that already has a great formulation, I'll promote it. And we're not going to go and do it ourselves. There's just no point. So that's kind of where, you know how we came up with a lot of these things. And you know we ensure that we want everything that's either patented, uh, organic, fermented, you know, naturally flavored, naturally colored. Uh, you know, so a lot of things that we do cost us, you know, three or four x of what generic ingredients would cost. But you know, we don't charge three or four x. Uh, you know, I, I'd say that we have our investments elsewhere. We do this because it's just a passion of ours. And, you know, I want to feel comfortable that what I'm suggesting, I'm going to suggest to my family. What is the, uh, a new supplement, for example, I know you all have a meal replacement, clean meal, I believe, which I haven't tried, full disclosure, have not tried this yet. So I, I, I hold full judgment. Uh, I'll hold my judgment on the flavors and I'll get back to you on that. Take us through the life cycle. How long did it take from, you know, idea, hey, we want to produce this meal replacement to there's a product on the shelves people can buy? Well, it wasn't an active process, but I'd say the idea came about three and a half years before, but I'd say we were actively involved in the formulation for about 18 months because, you know, we didn't know whether we wanted to come out with a meal replacement, first of all, because we didn't know if it would sell because I come back, I come out from the days of Twin Lab, EAS, Medirex, CNP, where they all had meal replacements. So I loved them. I loved them at that time, you know, uh, I'm not too fussy with flavors. You know, it makes me laugh when people say, God, this tastes horrible. I'm like, wow, you didn't try the supplements 20 years ago then. <laughs> this is phenomenal. I love it. Um, so we decided, okay, if we're going to 
do a meal replacement, we've got to make sure that it has low GI carbs, like organic quinoa. And if we're using a protein, we want to make sure that that isolate has like an IOA technology. So it's easy on the stomach. It has more surface space to, uh, to digest. And the fats are going to come from coconut oil, you know. So we wanted a very high end, as close as to a meal as possible, and making sure that we do put vitamins and minerals in it. So we have all 21 in there and making sure they are organically sourced as well. So, you know, that's, that's, that was kind of the process and the meaning behind it. And we put out a survey to ask people, you know, what did they feel was the right amount of carbohydrates compared to the protein? And people really wanted a lower carbohydrate blend. So we went with 18 grams of carbohydrates to the 28 grams of protein. That's for a smaller serving. Of course, if you want a bigger serving, you have that. So that's why we came up with that ratio. Where, where do you get these, uh, your, most of your supplements manufactured? Are they all in the same facility? Yes. Yeah, so we will have the, these done in Nashville. So we'll have these done out there. We were in uh, California, but it was just taking us way too long for the lead times. So we, re- we really couldn't judge uh, you know, how, how many to have a PO and how long it would take for them to get manufactured. So we moved to Nashville and that seems to be a much easier process for us right now. What is your what are your favorite things to do when you visit Nashville? It's a city I've spent some time in. There's a lot to do there. What are some highlights for you? <laughs> uh, well, I the, I've only been downtown once, and that was probably to go to the Kid Rock Bar. That was a fun part. But whenever I go there, because Brandon Curry lives there, and uh, we like to go and work out at obviously at his carbon culture gyms. I got to say that's my favorite. You know, if I go on a holiday, I want to check out the gyms, man. So uh, people would probably think that's kind of boring or meatheadish, but I just love it. Well, I mean, you know, do something you love. You're never working a day in your life. What are some? Okay, what are your favorite gyms to train at in the United States? In the United States, Destination Dallas in Texas. I love that facility. It's got such good equipment. You know, they have a lot of the Arsenal strength, Matrix uh, strength. Uh, They got the Prime Fitness USA equipment. I just love it. Great atmosphere. They got everything for CrossFitters, for strongmen, for bodybuilders, for uh, Supercross athletes. They got absolutely everything there. And they train a lot of football athletes there. Love that place. Love the atmosphere. I like uh, Metroflex in uh, Texas as well. You know, it's very dirty, grimy, hardcore, uh, great music. It's hot. It's sweaty. I like that as well. And uh, I was at Flex Lewis's gym opening, the Dragon's Lair, uh, about a week and a half ago in Vegas. I love that facility as well. Again, a lot of the equipment that you'd find at Destination Dallas, and it just works really well with the biomechanics of the body. So I like that. What about internationally? You might be a little bit biased because your name is on a, a chain of gyms that you'll find outside the United States. But what are some international spots where you you know you were visiting a place, you found a gym, and you're like, "Wow, this is a great training destination." Um, it has to be. Well, it's not there anymore, so I don't know if this uh, counts. But Temple Gym that was owned by my friend Dorian Yates, and uh, I, I swear that I've never encountered the atmosphere that you'd get in that gym anywhere else. It was just, it was eerie. It was so good. You know, you just go in and know that you're going to probably crawl out by your lips and have the best workout of your entire life. And of course, like training with Dorian in there, which I had many times is just such an experience. You know, that's when you really understand what intensity is because I used to look at natural bodybuilders 
uh, when I first started going to competitions and I thought there is no way they are natural, impossible. But then I started training with somebody who actually had won that show. And then I realized, okay, so this is what real intensity is. And that's how you get a physique like that naturally. And when I started training at a temple gym with Dorian, even though Dorian has understood, you know, he's an extracurricular supplement taker or was back then. That's how I realized, okay, that's how you take your physique to the next level. And it was just through the sheer intensity that you get from the aura of that facility. It was just phenomenal. There aren't, the, there aren't many of those hardcore training facilities left, it seems. Now, you mentioned Metroflex in Texas, which is still famously has that vibe, right? You know, it's, it's going to be a little dusty. Some stuff might be a little rusty. There's going to be some very hardcore music on. Um, you know, if folks are, are looking for that training environment, you know, would you recommend, like, where would you recommend they start to seek out those places? Because I feel like they're, they're diamonds in the rough these days. Yeah, they're independent. So I guess you'd have to ask around because a lot of them are hidden, but a lot of these independent gyms, and I find that you uh, you tend to see them a little bit more in Europe, definitely the UK more than you do here. So uh, there's, there's definitely more of a family atmosphere within those facilities that you'll find overseas than you do here. And I think that's why Destination Dallas does so well uh, to, to bring that to the masses because the owner is Swedish and he comes from a bodybuilding background, always has done, and he's really brought that on a larger scale. Okay, here's, here's the advice we need. Say you're an American and you're looking to find a great, great, you know, traditional kind of hardcore bodybuilding training facility in the UK and you find one, what can you do as an American to ingratiate yourself with the community there and maybe not stick out like a sore thumb? That's our that's have, my question. You'd have to pick up the local accent, I think, because even if you go to Wales and some English people walk into a gym, you'll get a lot of stiz. You know, it's just how it is. And uh, it's funny because like you'll find in some Welsh places, uh, people will speak the Welsh language. And as soon as, you know, they usually speak in English, but then as soon as an English or a foreigner walks in, then they will start speaking Welsh again. So no one can understand what they're saying about them, you know. But uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, you just want to make sure that you do fit in and probably, I don't know, the hardcore gyms that we're talking about, you're probably not going to fit in wearing a very tight-fitting Gymshark top, you know. It's going to be something a little bit more gas a little bit baggier, a little bit more hardcore. So maybe not the style of the day is what you're saying. Yeah, you got you exactly. a little bit of a throwback. You, you'd have to prepare in advance your gym attire, dependent on where you're going. Okay. Do you, do you still cut up your sweats or do you wear sweats off the rack? I'll wear sweats off the rack, but sometimes I cut them up. So I just uh, cut up a pair of gasp pants like just two weeks ago. You know, because they have some, they used to have some hardcore sort of like cargo shorts, and I really miss them. They don't make them anymore, but they do make the cargo pants. So I'll tend to order the pants and cut them halfway. That, that's that's some uh, that's some some old school style in the bodybuilding in the bodybuilding realm. The, the 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 big cargo shorts where you could kind of fit everything and train in them. You don't see that enough these days. I miss that. Yeah, I think we're going to have to bring it back, baby. We'll have to put out a survey and maybe a, a, a GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> a kick, Kickstarter for the retro... Kick, yeah, yeah, the re there you go. 
The Retro Cargo Shirt. Well, Chris, where's the best place for people to follow along uh, with you, your training, your recovery process now, and a lot of the other great content you put up? Because I know you're someone who's passionate about training, performance, recovery, biohacking, and uh, you know, especially in non-COVID times, and I'm sure you'll get back to this kind of after, you're always traveling the world, meeting with people and expanding your knowledge base. So how can folks follow along with you? Yeah, thank you very much. It's probably best to go to my Instagram, which is Chris Gethin, spelled K-R-I-S-G-E-T-H-I-N. And I've put a couple of more extensive videos on my YouTube just to show people my recovery process. And of course, they don't have to have a tricep tier to follow that recovery. I've had a, a huge amount of people reach out to say, I've injured my foot, my knee, my ACL, my shoulder, whatever. So you can take that and uh, apply as you, as you did. Excellent. Chris, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me back, sir.